This podcast is brought to you by 3B, the mental wellbeing company, hosted by Claire and Sue, co-founders of 3B. When you've got your wellbeing mojo on, you're firing on all cylinders. You're accepting of whatever comes your way. You're being resilient. We believe that one size does not fit all, and we want you to discover your own wellbeing mojo. So join us on our podcast journey where we'll be exploring the many different aspects of mental well-being. And hopefully, you can learn what you need to get your well-being mojo on. This week's podcast features an extract from our weekly radio show, Let's Talk Wellbeing. So we are very delighted to welcome to Let's Talk Wellbeing today's guest. Our guest is Elsa Hitchens, who is a band registered nutrition and health coach and owner of Food Fabulous. Now, I understand that BANT stands for British Association for Applied Nutritional Therapy. So I'm quite excited to hear about that. So Elsa specialises in helping midlife women rebalance their hormones and reach their happy weight. As a nutritionist, she has a food first approach, but a big part of all her programmes includes an element of emotional and mental well-being. So two key words straight away for us there, Claire, aren't they? Um, And I love what you say here, Elsa, without this important piece, it's impossible to create a life you love. Welcome to the show. Hello. Oh, we're really excited to have you with us this afternoon. Thank you so much for making time for this. Um, so yeah, can we dive straight in there with some of the information that you've shared in, in your bio? I love that this it's food first because your business is food fabulous, but you've got this theme running behind it where you're saying an important aspect of that is emotional and mental well-being. Can you just begin by just framing that for us and telling us a little bit about what you mean by that? Yeah, so because I work with people who want to, you know, nobody ever phones me when they're having a great day. You know, I'm trying to go in and fix problems and I'm doing <laughs> this sort of food and lifestyle medicine. Um, that's what we call it these days. And obviously I'm telling people about what they should eat to get the kind of health goals that they want. but without feed, without the motivation to do it and their why and understanding I mean nobody ever does anything without knowing what's in it for me and my experience is that the women by the time they come to me the kind of clients that I get they've sort of lost their way a bit not only with an aspect of their health but they've sort of forgotten about that life is for the living and the life is for the enjoying it and there's some some missing pieces so once I've we've sort of dealt with the food. I'm then inviting them to look and see what they want for themselves, what they want their life to look like. And when they're focused on, you know, creating that life that they genuinely love, then they feel much more motivated to, to eat well and to live well and take other actions that come with being a healthy person. Wow. So it sounds like a, it's a, you know, to use the phrase holistic it's more of a holistic sort of approach looking at the whole situation for the individual is that right yeah absolutely and it's you know with all aspects of health we can't you know we tend to like that you know the gp approach would be so see let's talk about you know your foot problem today and then come back and let's talk about you know your arm the next week and we, we deal with our ourselves as though we're just a random collection of body parts so this holistic approach is looking at well it's not just the food and it's not just what you eat it's how you eat it's how you live and how it feels to be you which has a massive impact on any of the actions that you're going to take in your life oh, I love so much of what you're saying there I know we've kind of really sort of put you on the spot straight away but yes I can relate to everything that you're saying and I love what you you're kind of referring to this I think that you're right we kind of treat ourselves and kind of historically um, medically and in terms of healing we've looked at ourselves as kind of disconnected 
from the rest of us, you know, whether that be from the mind, from the body, or as you say, from different body parts. And we've been looking at things very much in isolation, but I think there is a, a shift happening, isn't there, um, with that approach? Oh, I think there is. I mean, I think, um, I mean, just with the stuff that you guys do, I mean, over the last, you know, five, 10 years, even over the last few years, I think, that this sort of recognition that it's not just about goals and relentless pursuit of, you know, the end, you know, the end goal. It's It really matters how we get there and it really matters about how we feel on that journey. And I think it took lockdown and lots of people really struggling with their emotional well-being and their stress and anxiety over lockdown. I think my personal feeling is it took that in order for people at large to really take notice of mental and emotional well-being. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know whether I just made that up. That's how it occurs to me. I think we're now, I'm, I see so many more people talking about it. I do a lot of corporate work and uh, you know th- that conversation there in terms of um, mental health, it seems to be going on quite a lot, which I think is fantastic. It is, it's like a, a revolution's happened, isn't it? It's sort of like all stuck in our own homes in lockdown things have started occurring to us. I would totally agree with you. I do think it's had a massive impact on how we think about things. And I think people have realised that actually our brains are affecting our bodies and it all works together, that kind of thing. And that's good. It's a good thing. It's a good thing that it's being talked about more because I think once we talk about it more, we're able to access things better. We have more of an understanding of things. We realise we're not on our own. And that's, it really sounds like that that's the kind of thing that you're doing as well. You realise it and you're helping people to realise they're not on their own. This isn't like a massive issue that they have to deal with right now. It's more, how do they want to think about it? How do they want to live their lives? So it's thinking about it overall. And then maybe do they plan in like small goals within that to get to where they want to get to? Yeah, yeah, they do. I mean, we don't, you know, we're working on a a week by week or fortnight by fortnight, however, you know, however we're working basis. But when we're doing our first consultation, one of the things that I'm really clean, uh, clear to try and get super clear with them is actually what they want. What does success look like? And how would they know when they've got there? Because quite often people talk very conceptually about what they want. And when you're just really conceptual about the thing that you want, you you don't know that you've reached it. So that's then a problem because you're always, you know, yearning for it, always working towards something, but not getting the satisfaction of of being, you know, at the top of the mountain, if you like. So we're looking at, you know, what that looks like and then breaking it down into into smaller steps because everyone likes winning I think as humans we're programmed to love the idea of winning and I listened to um, it was a marketing guy on a podcast a few years ago talking about you know if the solution is you know you need to drink a a litre of water and you set you know small goals like you're just going to have a cup today does it solve the problem no it doesn't solve the problem but when we get feel really amazing and want to give ourselves a street parade that we've consistently had one glass of water, it then encourages us to take another step. And then the next week we might be having two glasses of water. And that's how that's how it goes with healthy habits. We're programmed to like that win. So so yeah, and I'm there, you know, cheerleading them along, you know, sometimes having some tough conversations about integrity and doing what you said you'd do when you said you'd do it and um, holding people accountable because that's one of the biggest pieces that knowing what to do when it comes to, to sorting out your health isn't always the thing that has people take the action. So it is much as much mindset as anything else and sort of guiding people to where they choose that they want to be because it's, you know, everyone has their, their things that they want. My job is to, to deliver that dream for them. I think that really fits with the kind of things that we do. It's taking that person where they are. And I think that mindset is, is so important because, well, if their mindset isn't ready for it or if they're battling against it, that's where your coaching comes in because obviously that's going to be a barrier um, to moving that forward. What it sounds like you're saying to me though is that you're taking that person where they are and what their version of success looks like. And I think that that for me is really key. So 
what happens if um, like some a client comes to you and they're talking about what the media, you know, what is all around us being bombarded of this is what success looks like. This is what I should look like. How do you make sure that it fits their values and where they need to go? How do you deal with that? Yeah, so, I mean, we do look at what people's values are, but you usually what usually where it shows up in the conversation that I'm having with them, I've got, you know, with each client, I have a, I have a rough kind of curriculum, but sometimes, you know, we take different roads. Of course we do because everyone is different and wants something slightly different. Um, but where that conversation about values tends to crop up is when people say that they want something and then they start taking actions that are taking them in a completely different direction. So sometimes, you know, it's that self-sabotage because, you know, occasionally, um, you know, they might bump up against limiting beliefs, but they, often I find that with, with values that people have, they might have values that just rub up against each other and it just, they just don't work. So we've got to sort of pick apart. So for, for example, if somebody values their health and, you know, they, they, they say, you know, my health is really important to me. Um, again, not being clear on which aspects of health are really important is, you know, something that we, we need to pick apart. But also they might have socialising with friends as being really, really important. And if you can imagine if someone's coming to see me because, you know, their hormones are haywire, they're really struggling with perimenopause or they want to lose some weight or whatever that is, you know, an ideal scenario is going out and eating all the pizza and drinking all the all the bottles of wine. Um, so notice I'm saying all of them because there's no food that's inherently good or bad. And that's something that I think I feel really strongly about. But, you know, sometimes there are things that are going to work for us and sometimes there'll be things that will work against us in the short term while we're trying to to fix what it is that they want fixing. Um, so it might be if they love socialising that they're then, you know, they've got this um, value of being healthy and also they've got this value of wanting to go and have fun with friends and socialize and then it's like oh but we do that in the pizza restaurant with the bottle of Prosecco so we we have a little bit of unpicking about exactly what that might look like I really like that I love I love how you sort of framed it earlier when you were saying that we speak in conceptual terms and I think we do that with so many things in our lives as human beings and what you just explained there, I think is really helpful for people, you know, so we generalize, don't we? Or we kind of get an idea of something, but we we don't really do the work around understanding what we mean by that and drilling into the specifics of it. You know, we use terms that we kind of share a lot and we assume that everybody knows what we're talking about. You know, we're probably doing it right now, you know, in our conversation. Um, but I, I love that example of, you know, kind of, I want to I want to live healthily but I also want to socialize with friends so how that's kind of showing up in the values is really interesting because it also shows for me just how complex we are as human mm. beings and we often think that um the solutions that we're seeking there's a real simplicity around them and sometimes there is at the core but we tend to overcomplicate them as humans would, would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, I would agree. And also, as you were saying that, I was just thinking there's also, um, given that, you know, it's nice and hot, schools are about to break up, some of them are already broken up, people will be starting to think about going on their holidays. Um, one of the things that I find comes up all the time for people is, you know, alongside those values, we might have these agreements with ourselves. So let's say you have a specific health goal. Let's say it's, you know, you want to get your cholesterol down, or you want to lose some weight or, you know, whatever that is. And you will have a big list in your head of agreements about all the things that you're going to do or not do, uh, you know, to reach yeah. that goal. And then the summer holidays come around and then we're not gonna meet those agreements. We haven't done any work on changing what our new agreements might be when we go to Spain for two weeks and we're in the all-inclusive place where you know there's the buffet and there's all the mojitos or whatever. So we go to the holiday without having thought, oh, I'm gonna need some kind of slightly different action plan or a little bit more flexibility. And again, it's, it's the recognition that if you don't change from time to time what your agreement is with yourself, very quickly you break all your agreements and then you feel rubbish and you're not quite sure what it is. So you do 
all the things come back and then you know you, you've taken a step backwards with your health and then just don't feel that great about it whereas actually if you sat down and thought to start with okay so it's the holiday what matters to me so what's what's the what are the deal breakers in my holiday if I don't do if I don't have an ice cream and I don't have a gin and tonic in the evening well that's it I'm going to come back thinking I've had a rubbish time do you see so it's like you know we don't we don't look we don't check in with ourselves enough about what we're up to and what's important for us and then the wheels come off and we feel this sort of nail, just this dissatisfaction. Um, but it is a skill and a discipline, as I'm sure, um, you know, you talk to, you know, to your clients about and to your listeners. It's a it's something we're not used to doing. And that can sometimes feel a bit alien and a bit difficult. These are these are the kind of skills that we yeah, we either have to find out by trial or error. You know, we're not we're not taught this kind of stuff. Um yeah, I, I, I sort of wrote down your question there. What matters to me? Because, you know, obviously as coaches, Claire and I are all about the questions. You mm. know, questions ignite the mind and they take us to, you know, other places that we haven't perhaps considered yet. So I've, that feels like a really powerful question to me. And I love what you were saying there as well about checking in. Actually, we talk about that a lot on the show, don't we, Claire? You know, about this kind of checking in. How am I doing? What am I noticing? You know, about what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling. Not in a kind of obsessive way, but just in a returning to yourself kind of a way, rather than, as you say, kind of just going off down a path without even having given it some thought. And I think we really underestimate um, the value of that. I think the other thing I wanted to say as well about it, it struck me that I love the scenario with the all-inclusive and that we haven't thought about this. Um, I think, because I, I can relate to a lot of what you're saying there without, and it's kind of like we're expecting ourselves, we're expecting ourselves to carry on with the plan that now doesn't fit the scenario. Mm. And then what we're maybe likely to do is, as well as feeling a bit despondent and demotivated, we may even go into a place of blame you know and kind of yeah and and kind of feeding that sort of inner voice of you know lack of self-worth and and all those kinds of places as well so it's 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 dangerous territory potentially for us to to end up in yeah one of the things that I talk to my um, clients a lot about is curiosity so you know you were saying about you know that checking in so one of the things that I find that people struggle with sometimes is you know let's say you're you you have a plan for your health and it doesn't include at the moment chocolate cake you know because you want to lose weight or whatever that is and yet you know you're in the coffee shop and you know before you know it you've had a big piece of chocolate cake and it wasn't in your plan and so you know again because that's a broken agreement what I invite my clients to do is you know if they find they you know they lose their way a bit or they do something that is not aligned with what they say they want. My, the two words that are very overused probably in my practice are, okay, let's get curious. So we get curious, like not judging, not blaming, just being more kind of like, oh, okay, that happened. Why did, you know, why did that happen? And just being okay with, um, okay, well, I wanted it and I had it. Can I be okay that that happens? And then, you know, and then if the answer is yes, there is nothing more to say about it. We, you know, we powerfully choose, okay, I choose the chocolate cake and that's it. But when we're weighing up all this rationale and, you know, how many calories are on the menu and what does it mean that I will or won't do later on, then you, you sort of, you're in sort of muddy water and you're never going to enjoy it. You know, whatever happens, however much of the cake you eat, if you're in that world of overanalyzing yourself in it, then it's, it's not going to be enjoyable on any level. My view. That word curiosity is one that we use an awful lot. I think it's a great word, like you say, because it's like not non-judgmental. It's, re it's, it's noticing or, and it's asking yourself, it's, like you say, it's being curious about what, why, what's going on for me there. And I think that's brilliant. I love that that's one of the words that, yeah, comes up a lot for you um, within your work. Something that you said previously that um, I really liked. Um, 
I can't remember what it is. Sorry. Has it gone? But it'll come back there because you will, do know that, don't you? It was like it was there, and I was like, really wanted to ask you about it, and then obviously the curiosity came up, and then I just went all curious um, about stuff. Sorry, I cannot remember what it was. Sorry, it's still in there. It'll definitely come out. Yeah. There is such a lot to ask you about, Elsa. Well, I mean. I, in the, I don't want to kind of for you to lose your train of thought, Claire, with that idea because I know no, no, it will come fine. back to you. But I, I'm interested to know, I suppose, kind of taking us back a little bit and how you came to this work. Sort of what 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 brought you here? Well, if you listen to my mother, I've always been over interested. Her words in what goes in and what comes out, <laughs> and. I used to be a magazine journalist. I used to edit, you know, homes magazines. I did that for 20 years, you know, Ideal Home, House Beautiful, all of those um, lovely magazines. Um, I'm a writer by trade. And my, my daughter died in 2009, she was quite young. And I think oft, for, often for people, when they have like a, a, a big shock, it, the net result is you start analysing your life. You know, there's this thing that you're desperately unhappy about. It's a very sad event. And I looked at, you know, what I was doing at the time and thought, is this it? You know, if this is it, am I okay with that? Or do I want something different? And it turns out that I wanted something different. And I made this uh decision that I was going to retrain as a nutritional therapist which took me four years um you know to do a proper course I needed to do all the the science pre-year and then I did the three-year course so it was like a, a horrible event if you like just caused me to rethink what I was doing with my life and whether I wanted to be there I still do a lot of I still do a lot of writing, not for magazines. I do a lot of content creation for people along the, you know, the lines of nutrition and things like that. I write my own blog. I'm writing a book. I'm still writing my book. Um, but yeah, no, I, I love I love this work, and it's always been interesting to me. But it took a big shock to have me jump. Wow. Thank you for sharing that with us, Elsa. Um, it shows that kind of life is unexpected and uncertain. Um, you know, some of the big learnings from the pandemic and the lockdown situation as well for a lot of people. And that I guess we never really know where things will take us. Um, but what I hear sort of in the way that you talk about this work is that you the passion is coming through, the excitement is coming through. And, you know, I love your mother's phrase about, you know, you've always been fascinated <laughs> by what goes in and what comes out. So maybe there was always potential for this somewhere along the way. Yeah. But it was that examination of your life and kind of what, what you wanted from it and where you wanted maybe what you needed to be doing and focusing on that kind of that brought you here. Yeah, I mean, 10 years before, I was offered a job on a magazine as a deputy editor on a magazine called Shape. It doesn't exist anymore, which is a health and um, well-being magazine. Yeah. And my boss at the time, the publishing director, persuaded me that it was a terrible idea and I'm, I shouldn't do it. And, my, you know, so I didn't. Like the good girl, I was like, well, no, I'll just stay where I am. And, you know, I did very well where I was, but, you know, I could have ended up in this sort of world sooner. But, you know, I'm very happy with where I am now. I think paths take us like down a route anyway, and I don't think they're a wrong route. So potentially other things came from you not taking that job um, and then coming to this at a later stage. So obviously that terrible experience got you to rethink your life and what, you, what it is that you wanted and you made strides then to do that and that couldn't have been easy like you were saying it took four years of your life to move that forward and to get where you actually wanted to be with that but that was obviously something that was really important to you to do that and you've given that the time and I, I would say that's the thing with what what happens lately is because we expect things to happen really quickly. We expect things to change. Um, 
it's sort of like you you're revisiting you're coming back to what is it I want and I've remembered the other stuff that I wanted to I talk to you about because <laughs> it was about that stuff about you know change it's okay to change your focus then it's okay to you know when you're going if you're going on an all-inclusive like it's not it's going to be different and I think that's a really key point that you made with anybody for anything to do with their new habits that they're building is if you set your habits at a certain point you know in your life so like if you're working and you want to build that new habit you can build that into like your routine because that's maybe set for you but then come weekend and I know this is me with certain things that I do I'm great at doing them during the week and then I don't do them at weekends and then yeah if something different comes up that changes again and I think I've always given myself a hard time over that because I'm like, oh, I've forgotten to do it again. And then I start again and then I find it easy to build that into my working day. But then again, weekend comes, I'm like, oh, not done that again. Um, and this comes up. And I think I'm really big on not getting another stick to beat yourself up with. Because mm. I think that's really important because I think we do enough of that. And I, so I really like the fact that what you're saying is you can plan. So you can go, OK, this isn't working why isn't it working what do I have to do something different and it's those questions that you're asking and I think that's really key for people as a takeaway from what you're talking about is that we can just move we need to be more flexible with how we approach things that it's not a fixed route and it sounds like that's what you're very clearly saying as well within the work that you do with the nutrition and everything else it's not a fixed thing and it's not like right I can't have that beat myself up because I've done that it's just about thinking about it and then going what is it I really want and like you say with the chocolate cake kind of thing for people who want that it's a piece it's people's actual lives isn't it I mean what I'm not selling when I'm working with people is something that works for a short term and then doesn't work because we've not addressed what's going on in people's lives. We've not talked about um, the barriers that they've had, what's held them back in the past. You know, when I'm, um, when I'm working with people, I always do it on programs because, you know, just sending someone off with a sheet with a hundred things on it, it doesn't work for anyone because I don't know whether they've done them. They probably, you know, be so overwhelmed by, by all the things. And I can't support them importantly through, you know, the ups and downs of life. So during a three month period, which is what I'm, you know, that or longer that I'm working with people, by and large, you know, they'll have had birthday situations. There will have been nights, there would have been, you know, terrible days and bad moods and, you know, tricky menstrual cycles or whatever. So we'll have tackled one way or another some of the things that come up all the time in their life because it is about their actual life. And, you know, people aren't case studies. When I first started doing my, my training, you know, when they didn't trust us even in teaching clinic yet, and we weren't quite ready to, to deal with actual humans, you know, we would just work through case studies. And, you know, you'd write out these big, long essays, all these referenced essays about these case study people. And these case study people, of course, you know, they were going to, you gave them, this is what they're going to do in their first session. This is what they're going to do in their next consult. But actually, the reality is sometimes people come back and they go, yeah, I thought I could do that. And I know I only had this and that to do, but I've not done it. And, you know, because that's what it's like to be human, isn't it? Somebody said to me or said, and I overheard the other day, it makes me sometimes snooping. That was part of the conversation. They said, you know, we're human and we've got more flake than Cadbury. And I thought that's brilliant because, it's you know, we often don't do what we say we're going to do. And it's not wrong, but sometimes it just doesn't work for, for what we want. And when we unpick it, and I love your, what you're saying about the weekend, it's, you know, a lot of people struggle with the weekend because they have the same, they're trying to roll the same set of agreements into weekends as they have in the week, but they might be going out with friends or, or whatever. I love this about people are not case studies. Because I think we do that a lot when it comes to our well-being and kind of how we want to live our lives and making change. We're always imagining the best possible circumstances in which we're going to do these changes, aren't we? We're not taking into account, you know, the stuff that life actually brings us. Um, context is everything, you know, how we're going to feel on a given day. 
how we're what we're going to be thinking, what's going to be showing up for us. Um, yeah, I think it feels like what you're describing to me just feels it feels very real. It feels very doable. It feels very forgiving, but not in a you don't have to do it sort of a way, you know, never mind. Because you'd mentioned the importance of accountability before, you know, and personal accountability and how you hold people accountable. Mm. And I think that's really important when it comes to taking care of our, our health and our and our mental well-being. Um, but yeah, it's sort of and this idea that we're making agreements with ourselves. <clears throat> And I love the other question. So many questions that you ask are fantastic. But going back to the chocolate cake, am I okay with this? And for me, that's it's such a liberating question because it kind of frees me of all the kind of pain and struggle that I might attach to this if I'm going to kind of carry this decision around with me. It's kind of, am I okay with this? You know, we, we can flow chart that out, can't we? You know, and sort of... Ooh. where that might take us if as we say if we kind of dig in a little bit more and, and get to know ourselves um so yeah I think there's there's a lot that people can kind of hopefully take away and kind of relate to with this and this idea that it's okay it's okay to change your mind like like Claire was picking up on yeah so we need to have that flexibility context is going to be really important it feels very empowering, actually, when when you kind of place it within this this frame. I use that question all the time for myself personally. If I'm not yeah. happy about a situation, you know, sometimes we get a bit hooked on things, and we sort of I find myself sometimes boring myself with a complaint about something. And at each point, I check in, and it's like, oh, you're boring on about that again. Okay, can you be okay with the way it is and the way it isn't? And if the answer is yes. I say to myself, okay, I've got to shut up about it now. Okay, we're done, we're done. Um, and if the answer is no, it's, you know, we've, you know, we've got to take an action. So that, you've been living in my head. Okay. <laughs> I'm mine. Because <laughs> what you're saying is literally what I go through. I completely get where you're coming from. Yeah, I, I love how you said you bore yourself because I'm just like, God, you're still going on about this. But yeah, it's the same kind of thing. And I'm like, why? Why am I not okay with this? And so it's like obviously a different question. But I love that. I love you're actually practicing it, aren't you, Elsa? Can I ask you? So obviously you went through your training and everything else. Were the things that you put in place and changed as you were going through that for yourself? Um, yeah, one of the biggest things that I did was I'd had when I had child two my you know and any time that we have some big hormonal event like being pregnant or going to perimenopause you know the body women's bodies can do strange things and with child two my body just went oh, I don't think your thyroid will work anymore we won't we won't do that we'll have a bit of a rest um, and I hadn't realized at the time because doctors don't tell to give tend to give you the full picture on these things sometimes is I hadn't realized that my thyroid problem was an autoimmune problem. So I'm going through my training, learning all about autoimmunity and all of this kind of stuff. And I came home and I said, right, I'm not having gluten anymore. Which So gluten is a grain and it's in, you know, wheat, barley and rye and anything made from them, which is a lot. You know, sometimes crisps have it in it. Obviously, it's in cakes and biscuits and things like that. But it's um, it's quite a big deal or it can't it, not so much nowadays but it's quite a big deal to take it out and I just came in and overnight was like right I'm not doing that anymore which then did have a big um, impact on um, on my eating and also how I was feeding my family because I thought well we are not going to be having I'm not doing I'm not a short order chef I'm not doing a hundred different meals so you know a lot of it was under the radar um, you will be eating gluten-free but I won't tell you about it um so yeah so that was what and I also I am I suppose um most of the time um I use the term healthy-ish because you know I'm not some you know little nutritional gnome living exclusively on a sort of you know a vegan diet with you know whatever the best longevity diet is which is pretty much a vegan diet with some fish but I don't do that that's not you know that's not what family living is for me but I do eat well 
most of the time. I do have high days and holidays. I'm frequently introduced. In fact, I've just stopped. I do a lot of retreats for a personal trainer and I'm her nutrition person. She always introduces me as the nutritionist who likes cheesecake and Prosecco, which is not true because I can't stand cheesecake. And having heard for years her introducing me as this, I thought I must stop her. Um, but it is about real life. So, and at the same time, when I'm doing my social media, I want people to know it's it's normal to, you know, have blips. It's normal to have cake. It's normal if you if you like a glass of wine to have a glass of wine. But I don't fill my social media with pictures of me eating cake and you know I sometimes will share a bit of cake so I also need to be mindful that I need to be also setting an example if that makes sense mm. um so I'm a better example than I would have been when I first started like, how easy was that sorry sir no no go yeah how easy was that um it, pretty easy most of the time but like you know the way the way life is, you know, we'll carry on. Most people um, will be on it, doing their thing and, you know, doing well and living well, whatever that means to them a lot of the time. And then something will happen and then it will often send us into a little spiral of habits that aren't as good. And um, earlier in the year, we had a, uh, my ex-husband died, the father of my children. And that was, you know, that was very traumatic and you know I did drink quite a lot of wine around that time and I made that okay and then it came, which was fine you know we we do what we do to to get through at times and then there comes a point where I had a conversation with myself to say okay there's gonna have to be an end point to this because what, what are we gonna do are we just gonna um carry on having some wine every day when well, we could but it's not gonna be the best option going forward you do a lot of talking to yourself then, don't you? That it's like, yeah. <laughs> I know it sounds I like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sounds like, oh yeah, we're all a bit mad here. I think it's brilliant. It's something I think we should all do. I think we should all talk to ourselves a hell of a lot more, but even out loud. But I, I love the fact that you, what you're doing is going, you're talking to yourself, you're asking yourself questions, you, you're living and breathing what you're doing for yourself with your clients. Uh, so it's like, yeah you're very much doing that so what you said before about you, you feel like well you shouldn't be putting you know eating cake all over Instagram because you need to be showing I, I think you are doing very clearly you are walking the walk as well as talking the talk which I think is I think is great and I think it's amazing that you do that because it's very inspiring that you do that thank you yeah, I, be, I'm believing, I believe in healthy-ish, you know, because no one is a case study, as we've discussed. Yes. You know, real life, etc. I, I love this because I think this is something that people can really get hold of and do something with. Um, and actually what, what you've just picked up on, Claire, is, is the point I was going to make about living and breathing it and walking the walk. And I agree. I think it is very inspiring. It's very inspiring in a real accessible kind of way which is something we feel really really strongly about in in the work that we do and, you know part of it is about meeting people where they are one size does not fit all has mm. to be personal you know to wherever you are at the point in your your life journey um but yeah it, it does it strikes me that you are you are living and breathing it and I think that is very inspiring for people because it shows that this is this stuff is doable you know, and that, and the healthy-ish, I can get on board with that. Definitely. Much more achievable, isn't it? Yeah. It feels like there's just that little bit of kind of leeway, manoeuvrability that I'm in charge of. You know, so like in your example, you were having the word with yourself about the wine. It was kind of, you knew, you know, where that could take you potentially. And you knew that actually that's not going to fit for me in the long term. So you, you know that about yourself because you've done that work and that, you know, obviously you're, you're an expert in your field. But even just for anybody, you know, if we spend that time getting to know ourselves. And I think I think this is something else that we underestimate when it comes to our health and well-being and particularly our mental well-being. I don't think we spend that time with ourselves, getting to know ourselves. And, and it's something Claire and I, you know. Well, I talk about it a lot, like, don't I? The importance of kind of getting to know ourselves because it can be uncomfortable. 
can't it? You know, really uncomfortable. Having to be a hundred percent responsible for yourself all the time is sometimes it's just awful. Um, and I just sometimes I just don't want to be responsible for myself because I like the enormity of being, you know, and then we let ourselves off the hook, don't we? That's like because it is uncomfortable sometimes being responsible for ourselves. But I think just in what you've said there, I think that that's that's just so relatable for people I think one of the things that you know we we've kind of come across in the health and well-being world is um you know people who kind of will and and, you know and and there's a place for this I think but it's just not something that we relate to is that you know people who've kind of gone through an experience and then they're holding themselves up as this is how you do it Mm. you know this is the example to follow and I think it's kind of like what you're you seem to be doing is kind of like sharing things with people for them to try it's personalized for them um and then there's there's room to move there's room to change that but but they're in charge they're not just trying to emulate you know a kind of a, a step program or or a way to do something that's that's fixed there's there's flexibility all around and i think that that's really key with uh, with what we're all striving for here i often uh, think it's like they're driving the bus but i'm giving them directions Oh, I like that. Lovely analogy. That's a brilliant analogy. Um, and I love, I just wanted to ask you as well, I'm really conscious of time. I told you it would go really, really fast, our, our interview. Um, there's so much I want to ask you. Um, so I love your name of your business, Food Fabula. Why yes. Food Fabula? Because I was stumped for a name and my best friend is um, was in marketing and I said to her, Holly, can you please have a think, see what you think? She just came up with some amazing names and I said, yeah, I shall have that one. So to be fair, I didn't actually, I, I selected it from some that she created for me. Right. Oh, well, good. good feeling then. fabulous. So yeah, so I love that. So very thankful to her. And, and you have as well something on some information that you've sent to us which um we're going to share out on all the social medias um you have a diet and health personality quiz um so is this something that you've devised yes it's just like a fun little quiz and it's a lot of people try to lose weight and it you know inevitably you know they reach a point where they're no longer doing what they say they want to do and it's a fun little quiz that just will help you unpick what keeps getting you stuck and give you a couple of tips something to think about to take you forward to to stop doing that if you want to if you want to carry on if you want to know what's holding you back then you should definitely take the quiz Oh, I shall look forward to doing that. I'm going to have a have a go of that myself, I think. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll definitely be sharing that all about. Um, yeah, there's so much more I wanted to talk to you about. I think, I think you know, you've talked about emotions, you've talked about mental well being, you've talked about some of the things that you do for yourself personally. You know, we're 3B, obviously, mental well being company, um, and our B's are B, believe and breathe. Do you, you mentioned about limiting beliefs, you know, earlier on and, and sort of how that can be sometimes at the core of why we're stuck. Um, yeah. Do you see a kind of a, a resonance between the three Bs and kind of how that can be applied with some of the work that you're doing here? Yeah, I mean, I one of the things, um, I mean, I, I love all of the, your three Bs, but one of the, um, I love the believe, um, I love breathe. I'm really, I've become a little bit obsessed about white space as well. So I love the concept of breathing. I I mean, obviously, you know, we breathe in and out every day, but the power of breathing, I hadn't even really discovered until last year um, where I'd been dabbling with various different um, guided meditations. And I discovered one in which I was literally just slowing my breathing down for 10 minutes and I tried it when I was going through a lot of anxiety and it was just, it was actually really transformational. Um, and just the breathe, proper breathing, nothing fancy, just slow breathing and also white space. I'm a huge fan of white space now and just being, I think all of the bees are probably way um, 
undervalued as a way of being. And if we did more of all of those things, our experience, how we feel about ourselves in our lives would be very different. Wow. I, I love where you've taken that. <laughs> um, thank you. Um, can you explain a little bit more about what you mean by white space? So we have, I'm a um, believer in almost like, you know, the Trivial Pursuit trademark. You know, they have that sort of the pie with all those little different segments in. Oh, yeah. And for me, good health is made up of so many different things. And nutrition and what we eat, of course, I'm going to say this first, is very important. But so is, you know, how we move our body, which is different to, to exercise. It's moving in a way that we love rather than to do a hardcore class. Uh, Self-talk comes into it. Self-care comes into it. So gradually filling up all these pieces um, with the things that we eat, the things that we drink, the things that we do, the things that we say to each other. And then there's a really important piece, which is that, that space to just be without any purpose. And I think we don't do enough of that. I don't do enough of that, but I am conscious more of it now that people seem to live on the very sort of busy, busy, busy. And we don't give ourselves the luxury of slowing down because we're too busy and because we don't know that actually not doing things can be incredibly enriching. Um, and I, one of my favourite points of the day that I don't know whether it strictly is part of my self-care regime or whether it's part of this white space, it doesn't really much matter, is having a cup of coffee outside on the bench in my garden where it gets the morning sun. I don't mind if it's not sunny. I wouldn't sit out there in the rain and just sitting there on my own occasionally a cat will come and join me and just being I just think it's just one of the most enjoyable parts of the day just starting without I used to start with this giant list in front of me all the things I had to do in the day and it just just didn't really work for my mindset so starting with nothing I'm finding that really super enjoyable love that it just it took me to work this morning I was stood in the rain because uh, it was a um, little bit of rain coming down when I was walking the dogs and I just stood there and I must have looked like a mad woman because I was so enjoying it and that's all I was doing the dogs were sniffing and I was stood with my head raised to the sky just enjoying the little drops of rain on me because it was cooling as well and I think you're right, it's powerful, it is powerful stuff. It's funny, actually, because our latest newsletter that came out last week was all about slowing down, because we were talking about that, because it's part of it was part of the World Wellbeing Week as well, about slowing down. And you're right, we are. We're constantly on this wheel. It feels like a hamster wheel. It's constant going round. And actually, we need to make sure we step off it and you know ground ourselves I think and that white space that you're on about it's really funny because if if our listeners could see you you are when you're talking about it I, I looked into the background of where you are and to me it's sort of it's white it's interspersed with color but those colors pop because it's it's uh, what I would call a white background yeah and it's like those colors pop and I think that's the analogy that I was thinking of that actually other things we do pop if we've also got that white space that calm mm. that time to just pause yeah I think that's really key for our mental well-being I don't know whether this is an actual thing but um certainly some of my friends have experienced this as well that when I was younger, I would, when I wasn't, you know, working for myself, when I wasn't juggling children and all the sort of, you know, other things that we tend to juggle, I used to be able to work listening to the radio. I used to drive in the car with, you know, music blaring out. And I do love an audiobook, so I am, I do often listen to audiobooks in the car. I never work with music now. 
And probably about half of the time, I don't drive with any noise in the car. On my own, I don't have the radio on because it feels like it's just an additional input that I can't take on. Does that make sense? Yeah. Totally. Really weird. I was doing some work last night and I'd put some music on, thinking about music for our radio show, and I couldn't do my work. And yeah, I, I was always exactly the same. I could always listen to the radio and do my work. And I just, I couldn't because it was distracting. Totally get that. So I'm sorry I interrupted No, you. no, I think we both kind of just emphatically agreed with that. Mm. So I, you said at the start, I don't know if this is a thing. Well, it's definitely a thing for us three. I don't, yeah. we'd love to hear from people if, if anybody else is sort of noticing that about themselves. I think there's definitely something in this about, and it maybe goes back to kind of being okay with ourselves and being okay just to be and not to be doing something and not to feel like we have to be productive or, you know, this isn't what my morning's supposed to look like. It's kind of just feels like you've just let go and given yourself that permission to, you know, this is, this is me. This is my white space. This is my time. And that that's, that's something to protect. That's something, you know, that needs to be, um, you know, kind of continued. There's so much, isn't there, about morning routine? There's so much written about it in, in the wellbeing world about I need to do my yoga and my, set my intentions and do my affirmations and, you know, and, and those things can work really, really well for people. I'm not being glib about it. I've done it myself, you know. I, I spent a whole year working with the three Bs you know, a few years ago when I was really struggling after, um, you know, the death of my dad and and it kind of, it, it helped me focus. But I think sometimes we reach a point maybe where we're going through the motions a bit with things or it's less meaningful. And if we're looking for something else, I love your sitting out in the garden with your cup of coffee, the occasional cat <laughs> and a bit of sunshine. To me, that's that's priceless, you know. Mm. I love that. Oh, Elsa, it's been just amazing chatting with you. We're not quite finished with you yet because we want to know, you know, we mentioned about music there. So obviously there's a time and a place for music. Um, and uh, yeah, you've picked a song for us. We ask all our guests to pick a song that kind of uplifts them um, and kind of boosts their mood. Would you like to just tell us a little bit about the song that you've chosen for us, please? Of course. So one of my favourite songs is Make Your Own Kind of Music. I love the Paloma Faith version. And I think it's just got such an important message that whoever you are, however you are, whatever you are, is okay. There's not only one song worth singing and that, we must feel okay, we must learn to be okay with who we are and who we aren't. That was an extract from our radio show, Let's Talk Wellbeing. You can listen in every Thursday between 12 and 2 on HCR 92.3 FM or online on hcr923fm.com.